Greetings, this is podcast number 96 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. A change of pace today. Not a lot of numerical stats and percentages, but some political and moral theory. We'll delve into three interrelated subjects. The value of charity, right-wing charity versus the consequences of their public policies, and liberal versus progressive prescriptions for a better world. Let's get right into it. Sources for this podcast are the New York Times, CBSNews.com, and the many sources listed on my data resources page for podcasts 56 and 74. My friend Jeff from GOPExposed.com left a comment a while back containing a couple of points. We'll use Jeff's comments as a springboard for today's discussion. In two instances, Jeff had a misimpression of what I said. Maybe I wasn't clear or emphatic enough. Others may have had similar misimpressions, so it'll be good for me to clear those items up now as well. Jeff's first point related to my repeated condemnation of those whom I call right-wing pseudo-Christians. I would wager to you, uh, living in the Bible Belt, living in a red state, at least this particular time, it was a blue state when Clinton was in office. But um, there's a church on almost every corner here. And I will tell you, most of these churches are not conservative, you know, at least not in Shreveport. Um, would you call Jim Wallace's church conservative? No. Would you call Jesse Jackson's or, or Al Sharpton's church conservative? No. So I, I, I really think we should not look at the Christians as the Christian right. I definitely have never meant to even imply that all Christians are part of the Christian right. The reason we call it the Christian right is because there's also a Christian left and a Christian middle, so to speak. That's why those I condemn, I always identify as right-wing pseudo-Christians to differentiate them from Christians who are not right-wing and who are real, not pseudo-fake, phony Christians. As far as progressive Christians, I play Martin Luther King Jr. all the time on Blast the Right, a Christian minister whose faith informed and galvanized his forceful progressive, indeed prophetic-level advocacy. I've also spoken of how the social justice-oriented doctrine of liberation theology has been the wellspring of much of the progressive, even revolutionary fervor in Latin America, certainly back in liberation theology's heyday, the 1980s. Need we look further than Archbishop Oscar Romero of El Salvador? Archbishop Romero was assassinated by a right-wing death squad while saying mass because he had called on Salvadoran soldiers to disobey orders to oppress their Salvadoran brothers and sisters. While in present-day America we don't have anyone of the stature of Martin Luther King or Oscar Romero, we do have some outspoken Christian leaders on the left. To make that clear, Back in Podcast 62, I played a couple of short clips from three of them. Take a listen. Here's the Reverend Bob Edgar, General Secretary of the National Council of Churches, which represents 50 million mostly mainline Protestants. 
Jesus never said one word about homosexuality, never said one word about civil marriage or abortion. Jesus called us to love our neighbor, love our enemy, care for the poor, care for the outcast, um, and that's really the moral core of where we think the nation ought to go. Speaking about the right's militarism versus their lack of concern for the working poor is the Reverend Jim Wallace, whom Jeff referred to. Reverend Wallace is head of Sojourners magazine and author of the 2005 bestseller, God's Politics, Why the Right Gets It Wrong and the Left Doesn't Get It. Right now, the war in Iraq costs us $1 billion per week. And we can't get $5 billion over 10 years for childcare in this country. Nine million families are working full-time, working hard, full-time, responsibly, and not making it. The last clip is of the Reverend Tony Campolo, an evangelical leader raging against the idolatry of the right. We are furious that the religious right has made Jesus into a Republican. That's idolatry. To recreate Jesus in your own image rather than allowing yourself to be created in Jesus' image is what's wrong with politics. So I hope this makes it clear that the Christian right is but a part of the Christian community and it's only the Christian right I'm condemning when I speak of right-wing pseudo-Christians. Jeff's second point was probably the main reason he called, having just listened to a podcast and taken exception to something I said relating to the value of charity. Now, how anyone could not 100% agree with every golden word I utter is truly beyond me. But let's hear from Jeff. I was listening to your podcast and you said something actually that I didn't like. Um, and the reason why I didn't like it was because you said it without your usual analysis. It just seemed like a knee-jerk reaction from you. And that was, you referred to um, charity as a band-aid, as if charity is not a, a great thing. And um, I think that charity is a great thing. Charity is not a Band-Aid. It's an ambulance. And people need it. You know, um, say what you want to say about, for instance, um, Pat Robertson, who I think is a schmuck. But you can't say bad things about Operation Blessing. You know, except for any kind of impropriety that might go on inside of Operation Blessing. When I was first married, my wife and I didn't have rent one month. And who came to the rescue? Operation Blessing. So, I mean, you can't say that conservatives are doing no good. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it's really, it's really um, a flaw, I think, that we liberals have. To bring you up to speed, let me play you exactly what I had said. Fully 63% of Democrats said they'd be happy to pay $500 a year more in taxes to cover all the uninsured. A recent study, which I haven't investigated yet, purportedly showed that conservatives give more money personally to charity than liberals. One thing that immediately came to mind when I heard this was that liberals prefer to pool money in a meaningful way to solve problems, not just apply band-aids in the form of charity. However necessary band-aids may be until the problem is systemically solved. I did liken charity to a band-aid. Admittedly, my parenthetical, 
however necessary band-aids may be until the problem is systemically solved, could easily get lost amidst the podcast. So I don't fault Jeff at all for having come away with the impression I was putting down charity. To once again be clear, I believe charity is absolutely necessary, and I think Jeff is correct, a band-aid is not a good analogy to use. As to the indispensability of charity, of course it's a moral imperative that we keep people alive and healthy while the socioeconomic conditions that so often lead to their problems are solved. Years ago, in my long essay about right-wing pseudo-Christians, I wrote, quote, five concrete doable things that would greatly help effectuate the Matthew 25 mandate to help the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, and the stranger are, one, emergency relief followed by development assistance for the immediately at risk, close quote. I made it the very first task to be accomplished. And I myself give to charity. Which ones? More on that later. As to the Band-Aid analogy, the word Band-Aid does imply not important, only for a minor wound, flimsy. I should use a better word. Jeff suggests calling charity an ambulance. That'll work. I'd also suggest perhaps calling it a tourniquet. It'll stop the immediate flow of blood, but won't cure the underlying problem. It'll let the person survive, but not necessarily prosper. So I'll try to remember to call charity not a band-aid, but rather an ambulance or a tourniquet. But, even though I do recognize the value and necessity of charity, that doesn't let right-wing Christians like Pat Robertson off the hook. Jeff said, So, I mean, you can't say that conservatives are doing no good. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's really, it's really, um... A flaw I think that we liberals have. Jeff even went on later to rhapsodize about right-wing Christians. I think, I think that we liberals need not to belittle their values. Especially when I, I think most of them are the same. I think that if, if most right-wing Christians heard your show and listened to you, they would say, His values are my values. I'm not sure Jeff would really support that statement in hindsight, but just for the record, I don't think right-wing Christian values on gay rights, for example, are my values. And more germane to this podcast, I don't think right-wing Christian values, in fact, not just right-wing Christian values, but right-wing of any religion or none at all values, are mine in the social justice arena. I believe that whatever good conservatives do with charitable giving is far more than offset by the public policies they support, which cause a level of increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death far in excess of any charitable benefaction conservatives are capable of. This operates on two levels. One, our ability to provide a sufficient quantity of ambulance, tourniquet, charitable aid to all those who need it and two, our ability to prevent the need for such charitable assistance from arising in the first place. Providing a sufficient quantity of aid. Right-wingers say charity should be handled in the private domain, that the government should stay out of it. 
but that line of argumentation falls afoul of what I call my Equivalent Alternative Solutions Challenge, or EAS Challenge. I actually developed it to be used in debating right-wing Christians, but I realize now the EAS Challenge can be applied in the secular realm as well. You just leave out the Bible aspect of the challenge. As applied to right-wing Christians, it goes as follows. According to Matthew 25, 31-46, the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus will say on Judgment Day that, quote, As you did it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me, close quote. Jesus was talking about feeding the hungry, tending to the sick, etc. Those who did feed the hungry, tend to the sick, etc., Jesus sends to heaven. Those who did not, Jesus sends to hell. There is an absolute Christian duty to help the least of these. So in the EAS challenge, you tell a right-wing Christian the government should guarantee health care to all children. Any true right-winger will oppose such a government program because it's a government program. You then ask, what's their equivalent alternative solution that'll help the same number of children the same amount as soon and as certainly? They won't have one. They may talk about private charity, but that's not a plan. It's a vague hope. And there's clearly not enough private charity to take care of 8 million uninsured children. Now at this point, you challenge the right-wing Christian. Are they not doing exactly what Jesus condemned, not helping the least of these? Right-wing Christians are those who allow their anti-government fanaticism to trump their Matthew 25 moral obligations. Do they think Jesus would say, Okay, just donate as much as you want as individuals, and if the problem is too big for individuals to handle, don't pressure your government to help, because after all, even more important than feeding the hungry and helping all the least of these is making sure the government is small. Is that really what Jesus would say, Mr. or Ms. right-wing pseudo-Christian? Government programs are a legitimate structural systemic means to use for solving problems that are society-wide and systemic, or are otherwise beyond the ability of private charity to handle. Exactly the point you can make to plain old secular right-wingers. Demand to know from the secular right-winger what's their plan to solve the problem. Secular right-wingers won't have a reply to the equivalent alternative solutions challenge either. They may give to charity, sure, but their opposition to government programs that dispense charitable type aid results in far less people receiving an ambulance or a tourniquet than receiving one. Just ask, for example, those 8 million uninsured children in America. After the break, the pond gets stolen and there are babies in the river. Your one-minute voting report. This podcast is coming out on the last day of the month. Looks like we'll finish at number six or number seven on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. Not as good as last month, but the competition has been stiffer. Thanks to each of you who voted. If you haven't gotten around to voting yet, why not procrastinate your procrastination and just go vote right now? Thanks.
let's now go beyond private charity versus government programs charity to issues of justice and fairness in the first instance to the goal of preventing charity from being necessary at all. There's that old saying, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach the man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. But as a progressive, I must add, if you allow the pond to be stolen, the man may not have a fish, but he won't be able to. At best, maybe he'll be hired to catch fish for the pond owner for starvation level wages. That, in short, is the story of the third world. Just last week, we encountered such an example in our discussion of the necessity of Venezuela's land reform program. Most of the farmers are locals, but wealthy landowners seized the opportunity and kicked them off the land. But then they hired them and treated them like slaves to work in the sugarcane fields, and they were paid miserable salaries because there were no jobs here. Progressives want not only to teach the man to fish, but to guarantee low-interest loans to buy the necessary equipment he needs to fish, and, most importantly, to ensure him access to the pond. Right-wingers want to teach the man to fish, but aren't interested in a bunch of small fishermen getting government loans and supporting themselves. No, better these fishermen now use their fishing knowledge to catch fish for a pond owner while they and their families go hungry. But right-wingers will donate to a Feed the Starving Fishermen Fund. One analogy might be, you punch a guy in the face every hour on the hour, 24-7. Once in a while, you express grave concern for his condition and donate some money to clean up some of his wounds. Then you go right back to punching him in the face every hour on the hour. Actually, better would be a parable about this issue which is utilized by those working in solidarity with people struggling for social and economic justice in the third world. It goes like this. A man is walking along a river bank. He sees a baby drowning. He dives in and saves the baby. As soon as he starts walking again, the man sees another baby drowning. He jumps in the water and saves that baby. Then before he can get out of the water, he sees yet a third drowning baby and saves that baby as well. Suddenly, the man begins to see more and more babies drowning and promises himself that he'll do his utmost to save them all. Pretty soon, the man is so busy saving drowning babies that he doesn't notice the man upstream who is throwing the babies in the water. This parable has been on my website for several years. The man saving the drowning babies is concentrating on individual charity. Could be a conservative could be a liberal. Save each individual baby as many as you can. The liberal would also want to have a government program to save the babies. Even if far more babies could thereby be saved, the right wing would oppose that government program. Indeed, the man throwing the babies in the water is the right winger implementing right wing policies. On podcast after podcast, I've demonstrated how right-wing policies cause increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death. If you like, check out podcast number 74 for a year-end summary of some examples of that from 2006. The progressive is someone who sees the man and takes concrete effective steps to stop him from throwing the babies in the water. Sometimes, but not often, the liberal will join in that effort. 
Most often, though, the liberal just wants a more effective, inclusive, government-run charity to save the babies. Or, maybe at best, to force the man to throw fewer babies in the water. The progressive doesn't denigrate the charity. The progressive knows the charity is a necessary ambulance, a necessary tourniquet. But, the progressive also understands that's not enough. And if all babies are ever to be kept on dry land, safe and sound, if that's our goal, then the man throwing the infants in the river must be confronted head-on and stopped. In my Matthew 25 essay, I wrote, A critical point to understand is that while misfortune can be cured by charity, structural systemic injustice, the type called Structures of Sin by Pope John Paul II, can be cured only by structural systemic solutions. Charity can provide a sometimes critically necessary band-aid for the results of structural systemic injustice, but charity alone cannot provide the cure. Okay, back then I used the bad band-aid analogy. Sorry, Jeff. But the overall point is rock solid. The structures of sin must be dismantled. The man throwing the babies in the water must be stopped cold. Let me flesh this out a bit with some examples. The babies drowning can represent many types of socioeconomic ills, many types of human misery, suffering, pain, and death. Domestically within the United States, I'll use some of the examples from that year-end summary podcast 74. Poverty, and especially extreme poverty, have risen under the Bush administration. Millions of additional babies have been thrown into the water. As the babies flail about, conservatives and even right-wingers can and should give to food kitchens and the Salvation Army and whatever other charities they want. Liberals can work for more well-funded government food stamp and low-income housing programs. But neither solves the problem of why poverty has increased, why there are more drowning babies. One big reason is that the minimum wage hadn't been increased in 10 years. So progressives and liberals advocate increasing the minimum wage to structurally, the wage structure in our nation, reduce poverty. Right-wingers were able to keep killing such measures until recently in the now Democratic-controlled Congress. Progressives would go to the final necessary step and advocate a living wage level minimum wage, which would lift millions out of poverty in one fell swoop. We discussed a recent living wage victory just two weeks ago in Podcast 94. As you see, sometimes liberals support progressive measures like increasing the minimum wage, but liberals often won't go to the next level, here the progressive living wage level. Lines are not stark, there's no hard and fast rule. It's tendencies, this liberal versus progressive distinction. The bright line distinction, clear as a bell, is between right-wingers and everyone else. Other domestic examples of more babies drowning from right-wing policies would include more cancer cases as government screening programs are cut. Right-wingers will volunteer to minister to the dying in the hospital or even build a few more hospitals to take care of a few of the new cancer patients. Liberals and progressives would seek to prevent the cancer cases from progressing beyond the treatable stage in the first place by restoring and expanding the government screening programs. Liberals and progressives would also seek to prevent many cancers in the first place by more stringently regulating carcinogen producers. 
right-wingers oppose government screening programs and the entire government regulatory scheme. Need I play that old Rush Limbaugh clip here again? One more domestic example. Babies are drowning in the form of miners suffocating for lack of oxygen after a mining disaster, since rescuers will take one to two days to reach them. Right-wingers will collect charitable contributions for the widows and children, but refuse to expand the government-required oxygen supply to 48 hours, which would save the miners' lives. Liberals and progressives would mandate the 48-hour oxygen supply and strengthen, not weaken, the mine safety agency's powers. I think you get the idea, don't you? Let me briefly sketch how this works internationally. Third world poverty is a massive death machine, killing 30,000 children under the age of five every day from preventable hunger and disease. 11 million babies and youngsters a year. The right-winger is throwing those 11 million babies in the river through the four-pronged assault on the world's poor I document in Podcast 56, a critically important podcast for you to go listen to if you want to understand world economics. To just state here what those prongs are, they're the right-wing policies of one, sweetheart deals between corrupt third-world governments and multinationals that essentially rob those nations of their natural resource wealth. Two, unfair conditions of economic trade. Three, the third-world debt treadmill. And four, the World Bank IMF imposition of misery and death-inducing structural adjustment programs on poor nations as a precondition to further aid. See, these right-wing policies are even called structures by their perpetrators, the structures of sin explicitly condemned by Catholic social doctrine you might want to remind your charity-minded but right-wing Catholic friends. Maybe a friend of Bill O'Reilly is listening. The solutions for this international moral outrage? Christian missionaries and other world charities are frantically and heroically jumping into the water trying to save the babies, but 30000 a day is way beyond their means to bring safely to shore. Nevertheless, conservatives and right-wingers would limit efforts to save all the babies to their important but inadequate private charity actions, and conservatives and right-wingers, of course, will do nothing to stop the man from throwing the babies in the water because they are the man throwing the babies in the water. Liberals advocate increasing foreign aid charity to save the babies. For example, the UN's Millennium Development Goals, which would require rich nations to commit an increasing percentage of their GDP to foreign aid. That could massively increase the amount of charitable interventions and the number of babies plucked out of the water, something you would think right-wingers would embrace. But no! Right-wingers oppose such efforts because they involve evil government programs. They just can't get themselves to accept the simple obvious fact that government must be used for dispensing charity in situations so widespread they're beyond the ability of private charity to handle. And as to right-wing pseudo-Christians, how can they with a straight face read 21st century rabid anti-governmentalism into a first century do-unto-the-least-of-these text? Progressives, of course, have the ultimate and necessary solution, going after and reversing each of the four prongs of exploitation and oppression I just described. While liberals may go along for part of this ride, 
they usually abandon ship long before the solidarity stage, the point where we progressives support third world governments like that of Hugo Chavez in Venezuela that are themselves throwing off those quadruple shackles. Unfortunately, in fact, here liberals will often join with right-wingers in falsely denouncing those like Chavez who assert the dignity and sovereignty of their people to do things their own way, even if we, the lords of the earth, don't like their methods. I said earlier I'd tell you which charities I give to. Among many, two of the best are Oxfam.org, O-X-F-A-M, and Madre.org, M-A-D-R-E dot org. Both give emergency, tourniquet, critically necessary charitable aid to keep people alive. But why I choose them is, they both also advocate progressive policy solutions to avoid further victims. They both see the man throwing the babies into the water and are willing to take steps to stop him, even as they go about trying to save as many babies as they can. To close, let me concede that certainly some human misfortune is just that, not attributable to anything other than bad luck. But so much human misery, suffering, pain, and death is human created. Jeff, in his message to me, referred to that study that supposedly shows that conservatives give more money to charity than liberals. I don't have enough time remaining here to get into the validity of that study. Jeff suggested it might well not be rock solid, and I suspect he may be correct. But let's assume it's true that right-wingers do give more. Well, I say right-wingers should give more to charity since they're the ones creating so much of the need for it. They're the ones punching the guy in the face every hour on the hour. They're the ones throwing the babies into the water. And they're the ones opposing effective measures to save more of the babies and to stop the babies from being thrown in the water in the first place. So to summarize, we should praise progressive Christians for living up to Matthew 25 and, yes, condemn right-wing pseudo-Christians for doing the exact opposite, when it comes to critically necessary society-wide government efforts at charity and efforts to correct the structural causes of poverty. We should praise liberals for advocating more effective and wide-reaching charity, but criticize liberals when they refuse to acknowledge the man throwing the babies in the river, or, if they do acknowledge that man throwing the babies in the river, not having the moral courage to confront that man and stop him, or to support the baby's parents, like Hugo Chavez, who are trying to stop the man as well. And as far as ourselves, we progressives must be involved at all three levels. Private charity, society-wide government charity, and eliminating the structures of sin that cause the need for so much charity. In a certain sense, only by operating on all three levels can we be fulfilled as progressives, fulfilled as human beings. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by searching for Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. A special shout-out to each one of you listening on KWMD, Kasilov, and Anchorage, Alaska, 
WUTZ, Summertown, Tennessee, KNFSLP in Tulare, California, and the website nextgen570.com. And now a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. The Progressive Podcast Network. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. ProgressivePodcastNetwork.org Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not the One Blues by Bernshee Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Catapult to Propaganda by Nye's Music. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Do keep all that great email coming in. I love to hear from all of you. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message on Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Saddam Hussein produced and possessed chemical and biological weapons. Well, there is no question that we have evidence and information that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction, biological and chemical particularly. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. We're there to, to eliminate the weapons of mass destruction in that country. We know that Saddam Hussein produced and possessed chemical and biological weapons and has used chemical weapons. We know that. We now have teams of investigators who are hard at work, who uncover the truth. The kind of catapult the propaganda. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again. The kind of catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda.